Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, once again. Mark 5, verse 34 to 43. Now, whenever you go home, we'll actually be looking at the entire uh, passage here of the girl, the girl that's restored to life and the woman that's healed from verse 21 to 43. And when you go home this afternoon, this evening, you can read the entire passage. We'll be, we'll be explaining it, but I'll just be reading from verse 34 to 43 this morning. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talithia kum, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl rose and walked, for she was twelve years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know of it, and said that something should be given her to eat. This is the word of our Lord. So after preaching the day before and calming the storm as we read last week, Jesus was no doubt tired. And he decided again to return to the other side of the sea, to Capernaum. Again, he was probably just looking for a little bit of rest. But when he got to the other side, the crowd was waiting for him on the shore once again. And Jesus knew that there would be no rest again for him that day. And in fact, he continued to minister to others. He continued to teach. He continued to preach. He continued to heal the sick. He continued to cast out demons. And as he's getting off the, the boat and approaching the shore, the synagogue ruler, Jairus, is there waiting for him. He was the guy, Jairus was the guy that was in charge of the synagogue. He was in charge of the services there. He was in charge of the different activities that were going on there. We would call him, essentially today, he'd be the director of operations. There was something happening in that synagogue. He was overseeing it. He was running it. So he would have been a very predominant member of not only the synagogue, but as of the Jewish society, a member of his community. He would have been an important person, so to speak. But as we know, as Jesus taught, 
more and more. And as he performed these miracles, as he healed people and cast out demons, the Jewish rulers, the Pharisees in particular, as well as the Sadducees, showed more and more opposition to him. Jairus, however, who was the ruler of the synagogue, or the, the director of the synagogue, not only comes to see Jesus, but he actually humbles himself and falls at the feet of Jesus, basically begging for help. What a wonderful act of honor and worship and trust and faith and belief. See, because this act could get Jairus in a lot of trouble. And quite possibly, it could really risk his position at the synagogue by approaching Jesus. Because it's at this point in time where the, the formal members of the synagogue, the, the, the rulers and the Pharisees and so on, are turning against Jesus. And here we have the director of operations coming to Jesus for help. So that took some, took some brave action by Jairus to come to Jesus. And mercifully, Jesus responds with compassion. He doesn't say, well, why should I help you? You guys don't believe me. You don't help me. Why should I come help you? Jesus wasn't like that. He, he mercifully helped and responded with compassion. And he followed Jairus, or at least he started to follow Jairus to his home, where his daughter was laying, dying. As I said, he started on the journey to Jairus' house. See, the problem is, there was a crowd. As Jesus went places, there was a crowd forming everywhere. And the crowd was pushing in on him. You know, they all wanted to get close to Jesus. And they were just, as Jesus walks along, they were trying to follow him. They wanted to be next so they could hear his teaching, right next to him. And no doubt, as they are walking, they're not walking at a very fast pace. You know, when you're walking in a crowd, you're kind of just meandering along. And no doubt, people are asking Jesus questions, and Jesus is talking to them. So I would imagine that Jairus is there, pretty close to Jesus, walking along, and, and he's probably very finicky, very anxious, very hyper. He's like, okay, come on, come on, let's get going. We've got to go see my daughter here. Come on, quiet down, let's go. He's probably a little bit anxious to get Jesus moving. Then all of a sudden, Jesus stops. And everyone else stops, no doubt, too. The crowd is pressing in on him, and he stops looks around and says, who touched me? And the crowd, no doubt, is looking at Jesus. And even Peter makes light of the situation. He asks, what do you mean? There are people all around you. Everyone's bumping into everyone. Everyone's touching each other. How can you seriously ask, who touched you? Everyone here did. But Jesus was aware that this was no ordinary touch. He felt his power leave him. And you see, there was this woman in the crowd who was bleeding for 12 years. 
And according to the Levitical law, she would have been banned from most social activities. Her bleeding, the blood would have made her and anyone that she came in contact with ceremonially unclean. But somehow this woman, through her faith, muscles her way through the crowd, gets near to Jesus, because she believes that if I just touch the hem of his garments, I will be healed. And sure enough, she muscles through the crowd, she touches him, and she's healed. Her faith has made her well. No doubt, after she realizes this, she felt the transformation in her body. She felt the healing power of Christ upon her. And no doubt, she's ready to jump for joy and shout hallelujah when she hears Jesus say, Who touched me? And no doubt, instead of jumping for joy, she was frightened. She was frightened. So Jesus asked this question, who touched me? Not to demean her, not to embarrass her, not to condemn her, but to show her faith to the crowd. The woman was afraid, no doubt, because she did something that was essentially against the law. She shouldn't have been there in that crowd, and she definitely shouldn't have touched Jesus to make him unclean. And no doubt, she was probably a little bit embarrassed about her problem. But she had the faith that Jesus would make her well. She had the faith and she believed that Jesus could and did heal her. So she tells the truth. She steps up and says, explains her story. And Jesus responds in love and compassion once again. And he removes her fear and tells her to go in peace. Your faith has made you well. And she is fully healed. So there's this little delay. They're on their way to Jairus' house. The crowd's bumping in on, on Jesus. And there's all of a sudden a stop because of this woman. And Jesus demonstrates this woman's faith. No doubt during this time... Jairus is extremely agitated and he's ready, really ready to get moving. Come on now, we've messed around. Let's go. We've got to get back to my house. My daughter is laying and she's dying. She needs you. And then he receives word from his servants that his daughter has died. They say no need to bother the teacher. No need to bother Jesus anymore. We don't need him. She's dead. Jesus overhears this and looks at Jairus and says, Jairus, don't worry about it. Just believe. Let's go. So they continue on the journey to Jairus' house. They get there, and the crowd and everyone that's inside, Jesus tells to wait outside. Peter, James, John, and the parents go into the bedroom where the child is lying. And outside, the crowd is weeping and wailing and mourning for the dead child. Jesus looks out and says, stop that. The child is not dead. She's only sleeping. 
and the mourners ridicule and laugh at him and think he's crazy. Once again, very similar to what Peter said and the crowd said when Jesus asked about the woman who touched him. Jesus commands the little girl to get up, and she does so immediately. And she too is completely healed and restored to life. She gets up and starts walking around. And Jesus tells the parents to get the child something to eat. And then he says, tell no one of this miracle. Now obviously, knowledge about this miracle is is already known. People know or people saw this girl and she was dead and now they're going to see her back to life again. So there's going to be some knowledge of it. But the idea is Christ does not want the specific details released. Because the crowds were already oppressive around Jesus. And if they saw again another miraculous, not only just a a physical healing, but a physical return to life, the crowds will even get bigger and larger. But Jesus didn't come to simply perform these physical healings. He came to save people from their sins. He came on a heavenly timetable and he was following it exactly as planned. So what do we get out of these two stories today? Well, the idea is faith. Faith is what we can take from them. The bleeding woman had faith that Jesus could heal her. And she persisted until she touched him and she was healed. And Jairus didn't give up either when his servants told him the girl was dead. The natural response would have been, she's dead now. She cannot be healed. But he believed Jesus. He came to Jesus originally believing that he could heal his daughter. And then when he heard the news and Jesus said, don't worry, let's go. He obeyed and he believed. He had faith. And he trusted in Jesus. But what is faith? What is faith? We, we read about it. We, we talk about it. We hear it. The word faith is really a simple word. It, it means belief, trust, and confidence. That's a simple definition of faith. The Bible gives us a great description of faith in Hebrews 11. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us the proof of what we cannot see. As a child, you put your faith in your parents. You believe they would take care of you. You believe they would protect you. You believe they would provide for you. Even though you couldn't see or you didn't know about all the stuff that they had to deal with. Just so you could eat and just so you could stay warm at night. You didn't know how it all works. But you have faith to be taken care of. And I've heard stories from my grandparents about the growing up um, during the Great Depression and uh, other times of, of 
hardship in their lives. And many times it's, you know, they would have just certain food and they would make sure that their children got fed before the parents a lot of times uh, because they knew it was important. And as a child, you don't realize the sacrifices that a parent makes for their children. But you just have faith and trust that your parents will take care of you. Faith is one of those things that's commanded by God. To have faith in His Son. That is what's commanded by God today. While it is commanded by God, it is also a gift from God. Saving faith is what we need to have. Yes, we have faith that our parents will take care of us. We have faith that when we go home and we turn on the sink and we get a cold glass of water, it's going to be a cold glass of water and not some poison. We have faith that it's going to be water. But saving faith is what the Bible talks about. And how do we get that? Romans 10.17 tells us, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. No one can have saving faith without hearing the message about Christ. Preaching is designed to produce faith. And if the preaching that you're hearing doesn't produce faith, then something is wrong. Either you're not hearing the right things, or the right things aren't being said. And I believe that's a problem with many of our churches today. For sure, there's many churches out there that have tremendous attendance in hundreds or even thousands of people attending each and every Sunday. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the Word of God is being preached and taught to them. And yet there's also many smaller churches that have just a few in attendance. But the Word of God is preached and taught each and every Sunday faithfully. Which church do you think is following God's commands? So faith is so important to the Christian. Through faith, through saving faith, we have our remission of sins. We have our salvation. We have our spiritual life. We have our eternal life. He has our preservation and perseverance. And we have access to God. And as we continue to study and read the Word of God and commune with Him and live out His will by obeying His commands, our faith will grow. And as your faith grows, so does your knowledge and your need, your willingness to obey His Word. Faith is a necessity in the world today. It's necessary because we, under, we are under constant spiritual attack, spiritual warfare that we face every day. And we need our faith to keep us strong. It gives us hope. It gives us joy. It gives us peace. It gives us confidence. And it gives us the boldness Proclaim the Word of God. 
And true believers will live by their faith, they'll stand by their faith, and they'll walk by their faith. And that's the question for you this morning. What is your faith like? Do you believe Jesus can and will make you clean? Do you believe that he will raise you to eternal life? Do you believe that your sins are forgiven? And are you living out your faith each and every day, wherever you're at, and with whoever you come into contact with? As Christians, we must have faith in Christ. We must must have faith in God. That is critical to our Christian walk. Let us close with a word of prayer this morning. Father, we thank you that Faith is indeed the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And we thank you that we can believe in you, that you're worthy to be trusted. We ask that you strengthen our faith like that of the healed woman and that of Jairus. Help us to step out in faith this week and live like we are your people. In the name of Christ we pray and give thanks. Amen.